Welcome. It's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, a retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. I'm going to talk about something that I, I think, I don't know too many people that don't have a PC, Ron. Uh, they've been with us now for what, 25, 30 years? They're sort of a fixture in most people's lives, I think. Well, the industry churns out approximately 260 million personal computers every year. And the big three, which is Lenovo, HP, and Dell, uh, those three alone produce about two-thirds of all sales. So certainly, uh, we just wanted to try and cover this industry. We had a question on it, number one. And number two, uh, we've been walking through over the last four years, industry by industry, we talk about uh, the major drivers, we talk about who the main players are, we talk about uh, the upside and the downside and the strategy for playing every particular industry we've talked about. And so what we want to do today is we want to apply those criteria to the personal computer industry and to just give listeners a little bit of a heads up on the growth patterns, um, the main players, and if they want to get involved, um, how they should do that. I would think, and maybe I'm wrong on this one, the demand these days, I mean, everybody wants faster, 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 whether it's in your handheld or in your, in your personal computer. And a lot of that circulates around gaming, doesn't it? It certainly has. And, of course, uh, historical demand drivers have included uh, Internet usage, rising income. People are just more computer literate than they, they used to be. And, and certainly in, increased urbanization has helped. Gaming is pretty specialized. I know my son is a gamer, and he actually makes money tutoring other people on how to game. And uh, they have very, very specialized uh, gaming computers that are typically faster, have better graphics. Uh, but that's a fairly small part of the market. And uh, unfortunately, that market has actually been shrinking. Uh, we've only seen one year of growth between 2011 and 2020, and analysts expect the market to shrink by roughly 2.8% per year between 2019 and 2025. And the reason for that, Gord, is more and more people are moving to mobile devices like cell phones and tablets. I mean, let's face it, if you want to go somewhere, are you going to take a computer and pack it up? And usually you need a power source, and uh, by the time you put it in a, in a bag, you're taking a suitcase with you where you can put your cell phone in your pocket or you can put your tablet. Um, you know, it's nice and small. You can take that with you. And so as uh, cell phones and tablets become more powerful, they're certainly chewing into PC demand. You know, I, I just did some traveling, my wife and I recently, and, and spent some time on airplanes and in airports. And I was, I was stunned by how many people are gaming on their cell phones, like especially younger people, right? And, uh, and I see people using their cell phones as readers as well. I mean, I have a, an e-reader, which I use. I find reading off my cell phones just a little too restrictive because the pages are too short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've gone to an e-reader as well on my tablet just simply because... Um, you know, I've been I've been buying books for years, and I've got boxes and boxes with of them, and I'm trying to give them away. But right now, I think I've probably got 40 books on my tablet, and you know, I can compress all that information into one small tablet rather than 
than half Lugging my books living room. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a part of it that we're talking about here. So when you say that there's really, well, there are more than three players, but the big three, do we want to drill down into those and give people some idea about how they might want to play this sector? But as you say, in a diminishing market, is that a bit of a roll of the dice? That is definitely a bit of the roll of the dice. So let's go through, let's talk about Lenovo, let's talk about HP, Dell, and we'll throw a fourth one in there, which is the Apple and uh, they're the fourth biggest player in the computer market. And two of the four actually have been seeing cash flows shrink the last five years. The first one we're going to talk about is Lenovo, L-N-V-G-Y. And they're a Chinese player. And what they ended up doing is they ended up buying um, IBM's uh, personal computer division. So the major brand names now are ThinkPad, ThinkBook, Legion, Yoga. And ThinkPad and ThinkBook were IBM. Apple brands. Yeah. Or, sorry, IBM brands. They sold to them, right? Yeah. So now if you're buying a ThinkPad or a ThinkBook, you're not getting an IBM compu- a computer. You're getting a Lenovo computer. And the because it's Chinese and people are worried about just the investment climate in China overall, it's pretty cheap. The PE is six. It has a big yield of 5%. And its five-year growth rate in cash flow is 4.1%. And uh, they're the biggest player in the market right now, Gord. They've got a market share of 22%. But they're so cheap because people are very, very cautious about investing in China at the moment. Okay, so let's move on to the next one, HP formerly Hewlett-Packard. A lot easier to say HP, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The symbol is HPQ. It's 12 times earnings, has a decent yield of 3.5%, but its five-year growth rate in cash flow is minus 10% per year. Uh, Hewlett-Packard is number one in North America. Uh, They're also a large supplier of printers. Uh, Their major brands include include Pavilion, Envy, and EliteBook. But here again, their cash flow has been shrinking annually for the last five years. And so that's made investors cautious about playing them. You know, I think of, uh, you, you mentioned printers, Ron. I mean, you know, if you have a personal computer, you likely have a printer. I can remember going back, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago, it seemed I had to replace my printer every two or three years. But the one I have now is so versatile and has been so basically maintenance-free. I think I've had it for four or five years. So is that one of the, is the quality improving? Certainly, um, I know I've always uh, gravitated toward HP printers. And the the HP printer we had at the office, that thing was virtually indestructible. Uh, You know, the thing was always going, and I think we had it for 10 years. Where the printing companies actually make a lot of their money is on ink. Frankly, yeah, supplying the ink. I mean, you look at an ink package, and you can spend, you know, typical... You spend four hundred dollars for a printer, but every time you need a refill of all the colors, you know you're looking at a hundred to two hundred bucks. So they make far more money on the ink than they ever do on the printers because once they get you hooked, they um, got you. They got you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dell uh, started by Michael Dell. I, I had a Dell computer for years. He made a good product. Uh, how's he doing right now? Well, the PE is fourteen, uh, which is below about twenty percent below the market average got a good yield of 3.2%, but its five-year cash flow growth rate is minus 35% a year. So over the last five years, their cash flow is, is like Hewlett-Packard, has been shrinking. 
Dell is another American company. They rank third globally in sales, and uh, their big names are Alienware, Inspirion, Lap, uh, Latitude, and XPS. Uh, those are basically their biggest selling computer brands. And uh, they're especially focused on the business market. So if you go to businesses, especially in financial businesses where they use a lot of machines, you'll generally find a Dell sitting on a lot of people's desks. Okay, and the final one that you mentioned, uh, and I think everybody knows the name, everybody knows Apple. You, you forget about the MacBook and, and all of those things that they had years ago. Everybody's so focused on their mobile devices and their watches, but they're still, they're still churning out PCs? Yeah, they make the iMac, the iMac Pro, the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, among others. Apple's symbol is AAPL. They've got a price-earnings ratio of 30, so they're the most expensive in the group by far. But uh, they've got the most growth attached to them. Their yield isn't impressive, but it is half a percent. The five-year growth rate in cash flow is 12.8% per year, so they're three times higher than the uh, next best player, in the sector, which is Lenovo. And Isn't Apple that... is, you know, it's best known for its cell phones and software, but it's also the fourth largest player in the computer market. But isn't that isn't that kind of growth attributable to, I think I remember reading not too long ago, that they're going to start exploring the Asian market more aggressively. Yeah, and, and uh, Apple is certainly, uh, what they're doing is they're, they're taking manufacturing. Like, for example, they're taking manufacturing now to India. And to take manufacturing to India and create jobs, part of the um, negotiations are that India opens up its markets to Apple products. So Apple is doing two things. They're trying to diversify some of their manufacturing away from China. And also they're using setting up manufacturing in other countries as a bargaining chip to get more access to that particular market. So I think that's a strategy that works and probably will continue to work. So, okay, there's some there's some ideas. Now, what's the strategy one should employ if you're thinking about making a play in this sector? Well, you know, the only way these companies are going to survive is shifting their business away from making PCs. And they're going to have to expand into other things like software, into gaming, into virtual reality. And so we're, we're starting to see that happen. Uh, you know, uh, Apple, it, just an example here, is in mobile devices. Uh, they've got lots of app software. They've got wearables like watches. And uh, these companies really need to uh, be able to transition away from personal computers because that market is shrinking. And so they have to do that not only to find growth, but to be able to find survival. So, you know, you want to be very, very careful on this sector, and you want to only be in the names, frankly, that have positive cash flow and uh, that can grow uh, their business. And for most people, uh, most of the names in this sector, uh, I would just stay away from because there are better opportunities elsewhere, Gord. So an area then, Ron, to approach with caution, right? Give it some serious thought if you think this is where you want to go. Uh, do your homework on which selection you make, correct? Yes, and certainly uh, for most people, I would stay away. There's better opportunities elsewhere. All right, there you go. Some sage advice from the financial coach, Ron Hebert, who is a retired portfolio manager. Ron, we had a question that came to us from a listener not too long ago, 
and I know you dealt with it. It was kind of a tough one. This was a young lady who her parents passed away, I believe was the case. And, or no, his, her mother is still very ill, and her father is suffering badly from dementia, and she's responsible now for their investments, which are quite sizable, are they not? Yeah, quite sizable, and uh, the problem she has is that the parents have gotten ill rather suddenly, and so she's become responsible for looking after their portfolios, and their portfolios are, as she says in her letter, are 140 times bigger than her portfolio, and so she feels totally overwhelmed because um, she said as a small child, uh, her father used to tune in and listen to my uh, Sunday morning talk show virtually every week. Yeah, he was and, a self-directed investor, right? Yeah, and she's a self-directed uh, investor. Um, and certainly, well, the parents were certainly self-directed investors. And uh, they listened to my show for ideas. And that's where she got the idea, well, maybe uh, she should send us an email and ask for our advice. And so here we have a person who has been thrust into a position where they don't have a high skill set. And so there's two things really that they can do in a situation like this. Number one is if they want to hold on to the portfolio, in other words, leave it the way it is. And the portfolio has got lots of stocks and individual stocks and bonds in it. And she admits she doesn't know about it. In this case, you're better off to finding a, a portfolio manager with one of the major uh, big six banks, you know, check around among your friends, their parents to see who they use and who they're satisfied with and get some expertise. I mean, it'll cost you a point to point and a half a year, but frankly, that's cheap considering how much money you can lose if you don't know what you're doing. The other option, if you really want to keep it simple and the tax burden isn't too high, you can just transition the portfolio away from individual stocks and you can just buy exchange traded funds, you know, 60% equity, you know, to 40% equity, 40% bonds, to 60% bonds to get yourself a nice balanced portfolio, uh, put money in it every month and just buy and hold. And that you can do yourself. So it really depends on the, the portfolio you want to have going forward. If you want to keep your parents' legacy going forward, Hire some help. At least you know what you're doing. And secondly, if uh, you want to invest on your own, then get into something simple like exchange-traded funds and and get a balance between fixed income and, and stocks and just buy and hold and take out whatever you need every year with dollar-cost averaging to be able to provide the income you need. That's a that's a tough one, Ron. And and yet, you know, you look at demographics. We have an aging population. There are a lot of families that could get caught in a situation like this, where all of a sudden, mom and dad start to go downhill, and one of the youngsters has to look after their affairs. So, uh, some sage advice. And 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 we thank the young lady for sending along the inquiry. I'm sure it took a lot of courage for her to muster it up to ask the question, right? Yes. You know, and and that's a that's a big problem. In fact, it's probably worth a show sometime in the future, Gord. It's just so many people are just so afraid of asking for help, and they they try to muddle through things on their own, and many times they just don't have the ability to do so. So, uh, if you're finding that you're feeling overwhelmed, reach out and get help because otherwise, 
the financial consequences, if you start making some big mistakes, can turn out to be very costly. All right. Well, speaking of family, that's our next show, but in a different slant. What do you do when one of your relatives comes to you and asks you to borrow money? Or, hey, maybe you could help me out with a, a little money on this investment idea I have. I'm going to make you rich. We've heard this song before, haven't we? Oh, totally. (laughs) All right, we're back next week with another edition of Making Money. Remember, if you have a question as the one posed by the young lady we just answered, please feel free to drop us a line at letsmakemoney.ca. That's our website. Or through the cfcw.com portal, you reach us there as well. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.